They're taking cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. Chatter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of the top end pub. So he's got this crab that he reckons is bloody LGBTQI intersex, you know, and he's holding its flap open. I'm saying, what the hell are you doing, mate? Looking for its dangly bits, he says. Like, oh man, that's all kinds of wrong. Fair dinkle. Uh-oh. What's going on? More. Rob, 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 look at the time, man. Oh, Come no, on, we gotta go. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day, fishers, and welcome aboard the tinny as the wily, withering, unwanted winds of the dry season shiver our very timbers. You have to put up with them for a while, but after week upon week upon week, it gets a little bit tiresome. It gets a little bit boring. But hark! But wait! Is that a glimmer of barometric reprieve on the horizon? Or more accurately, the synoptic chart? Is that a short break in the conga line procession of highs that have been rolling through the bike for week after week? Who knows, fishers? Who knows? But it pays to be ready. It pays to have the loins girded. To be ready to seize that opportunity. To be Jimmy, to be Johnny on the spot, to be Jimmy ready to go. Because sometimes the window is fleeting. Carpe diem, carpe moment. I don't think that's a Latin word, but you need to seize the moment that is shorter than the day, Timmy. Are you with me, brother? Are you seizing the moment? Steel trap on a hair trigger, that's what you need to be. Steel trap. Ready to go. Coiled spring. Coiled. It's from been a the bit winds. boring, the winds, hasn't it? It's getting a mm. little bit boring. On that very thought, we'll head to the bin of wisdom today for some sage advice how to overcome the challenges presented by the said dry season winds if you're a hardcore rock hopper or just don't have a boat. It's easy as actually just go and see a weather app, look at the wind direction, stick that on top of your a map or the one in your head that you have of the place and find somewhere that it's pointing away from the land. It's not hard. Simple, according to Blue. You meet him at the bin of wisdom. Yep. And is this the mantra by which we should all go forth this week on Tales from the Tinny? It was like barra froth. Barra frothy. Unreal. Yeah, he was absolutely thrilled. You could just see with a smile on his face. <laughs> I bet he had a smile on his face. That's because he had... Barra Froth. Barra Frothy. Barra Frothy. Barra Frothy. Frothy Barra. This is the natural progression mm. of life. We don't ask a lot. We are but simple mere mortals who ask for two things. Three things. <laughs> a reprieve in the Southeasters. And a little bit of... Barra Frothy. Barra Frothy. Barra Frothy. This is Barra Tales from frothy. the Tinny. Barra. And he's decided to go with the lob cast and he's in the top of the tree. I am that bloke. So anyway, I'm laying there. Next one I hear is... Yeah, they were talking the turkey. Tales from the tinny. Now, it's not often that Rob goes flying into a fit about politics. But when it comes to the weekly gazettle of parliamentary law, he's all over it. I am all over it. Mm. I can't wait for the weekly gazettle. So it was on Wednesday this week when the government finally gazetted the Barramundi as our NT emblem for shows. 20 years in the waiting. 20 years. They released an official pic in the gazette, which they were to use for the emblem. Great. About time. Why's it taking so bloody long? But then it all kind of got sour. Rob just bolted out of Tinny HQ offices and 
raced down to the studios. I wondered what the, what the hurry was. Turned out he couldn't help himself. Connor Byrne, who presents the morning show on ABC Radio Darwin, was live on air doing an interview and he'd just introduced Attorney General Natasha Files, who was out at a biggest morning tea fundraiser. Robert wasn't having a bar of it. Now, before I say any more, Natasha Files, I, I didn't intend this as, a, as an ambush or a hatchet job, but I did show this to Rob Smith this morning. Rob, do you want to tell me what you told me? Well, my first reaction, Connor, was, yeah, that's fantastic. And I do congratulate you and the government for bringing this fantastic move to the fore, Attorney General. I mean, it's a genius move. Well, I'd and love to claim it, but it was actually done in the 1990s. <laughs> and this is part of my point. It's taken 20 years to actually get this gazetted. Surely one of your minions would have got a proper photo of a barramundi. That's not a bloody barramundi. <laughs> it's more like a yellow belly or a Nile perch so this is the picture on the gazette of the fish and rob disagrees that it's a barramundi it's oh no we've started another 20 year controversy another tw- well if it is a barramundi i put it to you that it grew up in the tailings dam out at ranger mine it does not look like our beloved barramundi that many 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 people in the territory are very familiar with i put it to a fisheries scientist who's Especially the area is Barramundi, and I quote, he said, it looks like someone has taken the head of a Chinook salmon and glued it onto an impoundment swamp dog barra and then painted the fins yellow to try and bluff the public. I, I actually haven't. I signed the documents, but there was no photos on mine, so I'm going to have to chase that up for you, Rob, and, oh, and uh, please. a pass blame. We're not about blame. We're just about moving forward, Minister. Moving forward in an honourable fashion. You and find all... me the most honourable barramundi picture <laughs> you can, and I will do my best to make that. There are probably quite a few million good ones on record. And fighting also, the, the picture is like it's been laid out for, on a mortuary slab for disembowelment. It looks like an 1800s cooking book, doesn't it? A fighting barramundi, a local picture, and uh, the world, the, the territory fishing community is well behind you, Minister. But not behind this abomination. <laughs> Thank you, Connor. Thank I... you, Attorney General. You are welcome. Tales from the Tinny. There's one region in particular on Tales from the Tinny that's near on impossible to get reliable intel from. That is the Kakadu region. Mm. What we've had to do is send out the drunken albatross with crates and pallets, indeed, of beer to spies in order for them to... Uh, Circumvent the usual folklore and fairy tale that gets reported to Tinny HQ about mm. these mythical regions, mm. And with a pallet, with a delivery of a pallet, you can keep a couple of slabs yourself and then just move a couple of slabs here and there to get the intel. Uh, Andy Ralph is the guy tasked with this job uh, this week for the Kakadu region. We want to look at the east, the south and the billabongs. How are you going, Andy? And we need more than a pallet to wash down the delightful taste of kakadu, which is happening uh, right now, boys. Ah, terrific. Any magpie goose neck on the menu? Dunno about sucking the guts out of the windpipe this week. We've had lots of barramundi on the coals, few catfish, Saratoga, and the mandatory, obligatory buffalo legs in the ground oven. So haven't seen too many vegetarians around here during the taste of kakadu. But, um... I would have thought that the pallet of beer would be enough to get at least the intel out of you, but you're still going to play mum on your very secret spot where you've been recently. Oh, look, I know the kids went camping at a uh, location in central Kakadu a couple of weeks ago and did very well uh, with, uh, with a few nice barra in the 80s and 90s. But, yeah, so, look, uh, some of those spots, I uh, don't think they're quite open yet, but they're opening very soon, though, uh, uh, Fisho. So, yeah, areas like Marilla Park, I know um, they could do a buffalo shoot there, uh, I think, this week, an aerial shoot. There's a few buffalo hanging around, and that campground should be opened up uh, fairly soon. What's the story at Yellow Waters with ramp access? Is that all good to go now? Uh, big news, opened this week. Opened, I think, on Tuesday, Yellow Waters Boat Ramp is open. Look, I was down there uh, only about, oh, gee, 10 days ago with a uh, with my junior rangers, and there was still, uh, you know, 10-foot crocs flooding around the car park in six inches of water. So all that water's receded, car park's open, boat ramp's open. And it's a bad time of year for fishers because the water's too low to uh, access from home Billabong, launching there, and then boating through to uh, the South Alligator and Yellow Waters. But the water's still been too high 
to uh, to you know bring a boat and trailer into the Yellow Waters car park. So it's all open now. I was on the water there last week and saw the uh, Kawinda fishing guide land a few nice fish uh, with his punters uh, on uh, from Kawinda. So the reports are that uh, Yellow Waters is fishing quite well at the moment. So there's been some good fish up around the 60, 70, 80 centimetres being caught, which is great news. It is, mate. Now, while we're on the billabongs, before we move to the big rivers, uh, what about the uh, the South Alligator billabongs, Red Lily Bucket, etc.? Cannot be too far away. I haven't spoken to the rangers of the south yet. We had a real late burst through the rain we had out here and the Arnhem Highway closed for about 12 days straight a couple of months ago. So we've still got a lot of fresh water coming down the south, still a lot of fresh water coming down uh, East Alligator over Carl's Crossing. So uh, people need to be patient. Uh, you know, Marilla Park's still closed, Sandy Billabong's still closed, but these billabongs will be open up uh, in the next week or two, I'm sure. We're hearing from some that the east has been fishing pretty well. Oh, yeah. And look, uh, last night, uh, my old mate Keith, who's our first aid trainer, went out uh, and he got some nice fish on his little white rubber vibes. Uh, incoming tide, fishing on that downstream side of the barrage at Carl's Crossing. As the tide comes in, you know, all those small baitfish get washed up against the barrage and the, the big barra come in and feed on those baitfish. So he got a few nice fish and I know there was a metre he caught by one of the fish liners there only two weeks ago. So um, still early days because we've still got the influence of the freshwater coming down. Upstream, I know uh, Roger Sinclair hit uh, the rock hole, I think, last week as well. And Roger's a well-known fish show in Darwin Harbour, the king of Darwin Harbour, and he did pretty well out here as well. That'd be uh, fairly easy access with the height of the water into the rock hole at the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, look, later in the year it's tidal, of course. You've got to go on the high tide now with the high. But, yeah, access is fine for the next uh, few weeks anyway. Heard much of the fishing on the south, Andy? Well... Brett from Aurora went upstream, uh, I think, uh, last week. Got about 44, I think, up Norlangy Creek. I know uh, AJ Alex Julius uh, said in the NT News that he's had a few uh, last-minute hits. He, as he calls the end of the end of the runoff. Well, I don't know, AJ. I think it's still going. And uh, old mate Brett, who, uh, who's been living here 15 years at Aurora, he got 44 fish, and about 10 of those were really nice keepers. Yeah, so the rock bar's going well. That rock bar's about six, seven metres upstream uh, Norlangy Creek just anchor on that uh, on a building tide mate and uh, most people are getting the feed doing that Well that's a fairly fulsome report Andy, Uh, people's minds obviously turning towards Kakadu and a camp at this time of year, thanks for that, you have fun at the taste of Kakadu fella Oh, mate, and look, this weekend, building tides, there's a couple of big lows going through the Adelaide uh, area, so uh, it should be smooth seas out the front. I'll be heading out the front, mate, to South Alligator, even zipping over to my favourite snapper rock at the mouth of the east. The seas will be the best you'll see for ages. Yeah, good fishing this weekend. Everything is awesome. Good on you, Andy. <laughs> no worries, lads. Everything is Tales from the Tinny. Ever sat on the photocopier at work and taken a bit of a snap of your bare date? Maybe at the, the work Christmas party or Friday drinks that got a little bit out of control? I'm not at liberty to discuss that at this time. <laughs> In case the evidence may incriminate me. A fascinating bit of correspondence to the Tinny this week from a member of the family, the church, the gaggle, the diaspora who's taken these kind of office antics to the next level, a next Mm. level of radioactivity even. Mm. Hasn't he or she done just that? He or she, non-disclosure. But not just the office fax or photocopier. Mm. We're talking about an X-ray machine. Brilliant. And for the good of you, Fishos, this is an inquiring mind... It's quite li- quite literally has gone to the office X-ray machine. <laughs> I need to I need to find out more. Mm. This uh, clinician, this warrior, this knight in shining armour, bringing you radioactive or princess, or this pr- he or princess, she, princess warrior, princess or prince, has brought you some X-ray imaging. Not of his bum, because he's X-rayed his. Or her bum. Plenty of times. Many a time. If you have access to an x-ray machine. You've done your bum. That's that's in your trainee (laughs) But a mate wanted to know what was inside his nilsie. So he thought, 
actually, I really need to know that, and a lot of other people, a lot of other fishos need to know that. So he's x-rayed a whole collection of lures to assess mm. durability, just makeup, density, mm. shape, what's form. In, what's inside them? What's in their guts? You can see the pics uh, from a very, you'd have to say, a very experienced, well-regarded clinician has, <laughs> has conducted this experiment. These are not amateur snaps. No, these are not amateur snaps. This person know, knew exactly how to lay them out for the x-ray. You can see them at ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. What the fish show found most interesting was how light-duty most of them were. Unlike most homemade lures, um, only a couple of them have wire going all the way through, you might have noticed, Rob. Yes. Some, in fact, look destined to fail on really big fish. Um, the, the tinny mole, the Honourable Anonymous Fisho, has now even gone so far as to uh, open, open it up for requests from you, Fisho. <laughs> what? If the request comes via the tinny, as long as they're funnelled through us, mm. they'll be processed. X-rays of fishing tackle... Rods, lip grips, species of fish and crustacean, oh, body parts. On. Oh, the dangly bits are coming out again, Tim. Human or animal, anatomy or biota. Of course, we do need, yeah, an x-ray of an NT mud crab versus the Kimberley mud crab. See whose dangly bits are more fulsome. <laughs> and just see if there is truly more angry beans inside <laughs> Kimberley. You can funnel those requests. We now have at our disposal a tinny x-ray machine. And it's information that's in the public interest, it's it in is. the public good. Of course it is. We're here to serve. They're only just stop itching and scratching those bloody mozzie bites. By that stage, I was pretty much over. I've just gone, oh, right, oh. oh, it was hilarious. I was freaking out. Tales from the Tinny. The crows in the background tell a story, a story of wild men, wild horses, wild cattle and the outback. And the wild man, when we're talking about horses and wild cattle, is, of course, wild man Warren DeWitt, who is uh, down... Where are you, mate? The Ropa, Mataranka, somewhere? Where are you? I'm in the Never Never, Rob. You've always been in the Never Never, mate. You want to be <laughs> yeah, well, a little true. bit more specific. I'm downtown Mataranka doing the uh, camp draft down here this weekend, so it'll be a... A beautiful weekend, actually, by the look of it. The weather's fantastic, 21 degrees and uh, hardly any wind, so should be quite good. And also it looks like it could be good for the fishing on the weekend because there seems to be a little bit of a break in between the wind, which I hope will hold before our next one comes through towards the end of the weekend. So uh, while well, we've got you in the Mataranka region, mate, uh, how's the upper roper fishing? The, the freshwater section's right up near town there. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. I mean, those guys who live in Mataranka are reporting catching fish on a fairly regular basis. They sort of know the area pretty well and understand what places to go to and that. But it's a, it's a fantastic uh, part of the river to explore. And, and anybody can put a, a small dinghy in at the Elsie National Park there at the top of the roper and, and go down and fish all the rapids or any of those biggest snags and... Certainly using vibes and dropping them down in amongst the timber um, and jigging them up and down works pretty well. Also fishing in the rapids and also the tufas where the, the water has built up the limestone over the years and you've got these natural barrages that go across the river and that's where a lot of the bait and that gets held up as well at this time of year because the river's obviously back down in its dry season level now. We had a chat earlier to uh, Andy Ralph out at Kakadu who said... A few people doing a ride on the south, but that's got to be coming to an end soon, doesn't it? Yeah, I was talking to a couple of people yesterday that were up on the south over the weekend, and it is getting a little bit harder now. The window of opportunity is closing fairly quickly, I suppose. They did catch some good fish, a um, couple in the 90s, um, but it was all tide-dependent as well. You, you were getting a small window of bite opportunity, so you had to sort of be there at the right time of the tide, which is basically at the top of the tide over some of them rock bars, especially the one in the Lange is still producing fish um, at the top of the tide, and then further upstream on the top of the tide, up at the top of the fork in the Lange, there's a fair few fish being caught up there, not, not big fish, but there are a lot of fish still coming off the floodplain or moving back down into the river system as it continues to drop down into the dry season levels. Mm, uh, speaking of dry season levels, uh, a lot of folk around your way be looking forward to having a little bit of a billabong crack on those south alligator billabongs they're soon to open 
Yeah, that's right. They're all looking like they're just about ready now to be opened up again and, and the fishing should be pretty good on there, even though the water temperature has started to drop a fair bit. Once it stabilises, those fish will still be active at certain times and nighttime fishing on the full moon will obviously be an interesting one as well. Those billabongs that haven't had a lot of pressure or anyone in there and they're only just starting to get them open now, the first people in there usually report good catches and that as well. The other river system that's been fishing fairly well that I've been hearing a few stories about is the east. So if, if you want to travel a little bit further than going through onto the south, just go out to the east. I'm, apparently it's been fishing pretty well downstream and I've been hearing a fair few guys saying that they've been getting fish up in the high 90s and over the metre mark down there quite regularly. How far are they heading down? Oh, they're going right down the bottom to Turkey Dreaming and a couple of other places that are down there with any of those runoffs or any, any area that you've got a bit of a back eddy or a creek or anything feeding in or clear water I suppose is what you're looking for. So any of those, Magilla and any of those will be still working pretty well I reckon because it's had a fair amount of water go through it this year and it was still up reasonably high after the last couple of uh, rain events that came through pretty late this year up on the top end. Uh, the Vic, uh, we've had a few comps down there and it's fished okay. Continue or will it be on the wane? No, it'll still continue to fish. Live baiting obviously is the most sought after way of doing it I suppose out on the Vic now but on the neap tides you'll still catch fish on that clear water and the Angulari has been fishing really well still. Guys that have been going up there and casting lures and vibing the snags, they're still reporting good catches of fish inside Angulari. So I don't think um, the Vic will stop fishing too much. It'll quieten down probably in June and July when the water temperature does get quite cold. The only problem is you just don't want too much wind because that does dirty up the banks and puts a lot of turbulence into the water and so forth. So it just makes it a little bit harder for your lures to be seen by the fish. Mm, now you mentioned uh, the barometric gods are shining on us briefly. There might be a little bit of a window of calm where people might want to be hitting the blue. Yeah, definitely. It looks maybe that it might have a bit of a, a lull in it. I don't know how far down the, the wind will come, but it, hopefully it'll drop off enough for people to get offshore a little bit because obviously there's a lot of good fishing to be had offshore at the moment and we're going on to the neap tides at the moment, which will be good for people to fish on some of the reefs and also chase some of those billfish out around Dundee. The mackerel are starting to turn up now as well, so you're starting to get good reports of people seeing mackerel and tuna out there now as well. So they'll all start making their way through as that water temperature cools and they make their way up further north as that water current line comes further and further closer to the bank. Good on you, Warren. You have a top time down there in Mataranka. Stay in the saddle, fella. Stay in that's, the saddle. That's my number one priority, Rob, is to stay upright, not to come off. Good luck, fella. All right, mate. All the best. Tales from the Tinny. And didn't the gazettle start the hoys running? As it does. You're not the only one who sits on the internet, on the phone at the front bar and, you know, scrolls through the weekly gazettle of... Oh, Gazettle Wednesday. There's happy hours in front bars across the top. (laughs) Gazettle Wednesday. (laughs) The legislation gets filed into law. Gazettle out Wednesday. Uh, On the emblem, Ronnie Vukalos. He says it's a good thing the government recognised the magical Latus Kulkarifa, and we all agree on that. However, asking a year three student to draw a damn barramundi and place the head of a triple tail onto it just beggars belief. If you haven't seen it already, you can see the pics of this NT emblem, officially gazetted. I mean, you obviously weren't at the gazettal party or at the gazettal happy hour if you did miss it. Anyone who was listening to this program was not involved in this process. Hmm. I can guarantee you that, Timmy. But you can see, that's true, uh, you can see the pics at ABC Tales from the Tinny of just what a disgrace. This emblem is, in, in relative terms, compared to what a barramundi should look like, it looks like a mutant. I, I put it, it's like the zoologists, you know, like uh, Cook and the Endeavour had zoologists and botanists mm. come, come to this strange and un, uncharted land and, and draw things. And the zoologists, you know, when they, you see the pictures they drew of kangaroos, mm. and it looks like a cross between a llama and a Shetland pony up mm. on its back legs. Mm. It's like that. They get someone who's not bad with the pastels and say, oh, I saw a bar of money once. Here's what it looks like. Hmm. You're dead right. No one who's ever listened or partaken in Tales from the Tinny (laughs) 
was consulted right. in in any respect. Because it doesn't look like a bloody barramundi <laughs> at all. <laughs> Pete says, bloody yellow belly. That was my first yeah. reaction when it was first shown to me. Blinky, looks like something the local kindergarten drew. Mm. Chris said they should have gone to Specsavers. Indeed. And Bruce said Stevie Wonder could have done a better could, job. Could have. We were talking last week about the wine club a little, Robert. You know, mm. that one of the indications that the middle-aged man or woman is maturing. Is maturing mm. into a sedentary state of existence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is maturing and becoming very stationary. Yeah. Mm. Well, what does this say about the man? Undie club. What? 20 bucks a month, one pair of undies. Gets delivered to you like a a surprise. Yeah, like a like a box of twelve wines in wine club. You pay your monthly subscription twenty bucks, one pair of undies a month for twenty bucks. All manner, I'm told, of weird and wonderful trippy designs. One bloke who's a member of this club insists on modelling them for his girlfriend when the new pair arrive every month. Reckons it all comes down to the cut of these undies compared to your usual pair. There's a lot of cut in twenty dollars. The, the way they cradle the dangly bits. I, oh, look, I, I can't make any comment here because I'll I'll go on the record as saying, um, oh yes, they're I, not I, relevant. I, they're I, not relevant. They're to you. not relevant to me at all. I suppose I could join the undie club. Undie club. And one day a month, I could wear my special brand new undies and then maybe retire them. It's like a lure you catch a metery on, right? Wore them on Undie Day. It's like Gazettle Wednesday, except it might be the middle Thursday of the month Undie Day. Oh. I gave them a gallop, oh. bring them home, frame oh. them. You wouldn't know what to do with yourself in the, <laughs> in the rare time of the year when Gazettle Wednesday meets Undie Wednesday. Oh, oh, oh the conflict. I'd have to take a little sanity. You'd be coming home rolling drunk in your undies. 20 bucks a pair once a month. Does everybody get the same undies? No, 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 no. They're individualised, apparently. I can't tell you any more other than it exists. This needs more. And I, there I are need men, more data. There, I need more information. There are men in the Northern Territory who have signed up and are happily paying a $20 a month subscription to an undie club. The latest news from the boffins at Melbourne Uni. What have they got? They, they got undies on. Or you've got to wear undies if you're at Melbourne Uni. Uh, who've been commissioned by a big games console manufacturer. This is what our brightest and best are researching these days, by the way. Okay. How to fleece money off kitties and keep them stuck in front of a screen. Talk about being a nation of innovation. <laughs> Apparently, though, they found Darwin was the most likely place to be able to survive the zombie apocalypse. Well, which we know, is we know surely that. soon upon us. <laughs> As we're the most likely to bear arms and protect each other. But the researchers are, of course... Halfwits. Yes, this is the most likely place to survive an apocalypse, but that's because we're a territory disproportionately populated by blokes with this name. Jimmy! Jimmy! Fucking hell, mate! Oh, f- Jimmy! I need you, brother! I need you! When it all goes down and when the zombies start to attack. Jimmy! When the zombie apocalypse hits. Oh, God! Jimmy! The zombies arrive. He opens a little trap door to a basement absolutely stocked to the brim with high-calibre ammunition. (laughs) I'd aspire to be a Jimmy. That's why we'll survive better. Because... We've got more Jimmy. The predominance of Jimmy's around. That was recorded live on the Roper River, if you hadn't heard it before. As the zombies marched into camp last year, (laughs) eating all the entrails of the grey nomads within... Lee and Jimmy, the, um, the only survivors. Mm. At least we were the safest place. That was until we started serving beetroot lattes in our pubs. Did you hear this news during the week? What? Hang on. Beetroot latte. But, but not just in a cafe. This, these are our pubs. Pink beetroot latte. So what? And isn't that the real issue of the hipster invasion here, Robert? At least they'll provide good nourishment for the zombies when they attack. Oh, yeah, let them clean them they'll, up. They'll definitely be the first to go. But we used to be a community of self-reliance, of resilience. You know, a community dominated by jimmies with rifles. All you needed was a, like a, a cold esky full of green cans. And a jimmy. And a jimmy. And a rifle. And a bit of three oh eight ammo. Yeah. These wombats just wrecking everything with the beetroot lattes. Everything. 
In fact, one of our own here at the ABC, Zoe, had a try this week. Oh, wow. That is uh, really weird. It's pink and it's sweet and it's all just a little bit... <laughs> yeah, that's wrong. It's a little bit wrong. <laughs> that's what it is. Served at a pub. I don't want a drink that tastes like beetroot anywhere, let alone in a pub. But who's to blame? We had some Melbourne tourists in one day asking about turmeric lattes. It's time to say no, Darwin. It's definitely time to say no. It's time to say no, Darwin. If it's in a pub, it shouldn't taste like turmeric. It shouldn't taste like beetroot or prunes or even fruit, I would contend. It should taste like beer. Just on that, a person I know, a mate, well, I don't know if I can even call them a mate, but... Let's, an associate went to a, one of these cafes during the week. It might have actually been at the same place where they had the beetroot latte. Instead of serving smashed avocado, you know how everyone's into that. No. They were serving slack avocado, which was just avocado cut in half and put on two slices of toast. 20 bucks. Truth in advertising, at least. What is becoming of this town? What is becoming of this town, Tim? Shoot it, share it, shout it. Give us a boy. Now, the dry season is a fantastic time. Don't get me wrong. You've got the markets, you've got beautiful camping weather, you know, all your rallies come to town. That's debatably good or bad. But one thing that fishers always have a little bit of concern about in the dry season is the procession of highs that tend to run through the bite, like trailers on a road train or possibly even carriages on the GAN, which give us less than ideal conditions for fishing, i.e. winds. Let's get down to tin tacks. They're a bit of a pain in the ass. Those very winds that I'm moaning about um, have blown me down Kavanagh Street today to a place that we've been before it's a place that smells a little bit like cigarette butts, a little bit like uh, used hamburger wrappers, a bit of kebab juice residue left there. But it is a place of great wisdom and learning because this is the office of the man they call Blue. G'day, Blue. How are you going? G'day, mate. It's an extension of the office. It's not really the office. My office smells a bit better than this one, but... It, yeah, it's the place of business when it comes to talking fishing. Mainly just down the road from the tackle shop in town here. Ideally placed. Ideally placed, mate. Now, you're a predominantly a land-based fisher for those listeners who may not be familiar with the work of the blue. It must be a bit of a misery at this time of year with consistent winds. It is, mate, but it's an old pattern with the, the winds we're having now, so it's something that I've learnt to deal with. They, they're coming off in the afternoon so you can sleep in and get your arvo fish in. Or just find that leeway side of the bank. You can still put a line in pretty much on anywhere in this harbour. It's angled round, so you'll, you'll be able to get a spin with the back to your wind at some point. It's a knowledge, I suppose, of where to hit when. It is, and it's easy as actually just going to your, your weather app or whatever you use, look at the wind direction, stick that on top of your a map or the one in your head that you have of the place and find somewhere that it's pointing away from the land. Technology is your friend. It is, mate, especially here too, because it changes from, you know, you drive to one spot to the other, the wind seems to be going the opposite direction, but... Yeah, technology makes it a bit easier. So where have you been haunting? What have you been catching? How have you been doing? been putting a lot of hooks in fishers' mouths, not setting as many hooks as I'd like. I'm um, chasing trevally. There seems to be heaps of them around this year. And some big, big black fish too, not our usual brassies. I think there's some, some real GTs amongst them. They've just been making me look stupid. I've been catching them a little bit close to the wharves and using the expensive lures. Feeling a bit silly. <laughs> Living on the edge, throwing the expensive gear around. I should be out of the habit, but yeah, don't catch Big Trevally close to a jetty when you're on that jetty. <laughs> because they got too much to work with. Oh, that's it, mate. You're just going to hope that one goes the other direction, or if not, you just wait to look silly again in a few seconds. Uh, so what have you been getting? A, a couple have been coming in, I'm assuming? Yeah, look, I'm sticking to a ratio of about landing one in five. Definitely losing four of them, and that's all to the pylons and on some of the jetties here. Every now and then you just get one that swims out, smarten up, back the drag off and let him tire himself out away and sort of fish him like you're on a light mono outfit. Pretty much you'll be right and then land the fish, but if they're going to go at your feet, that's a 
bit bloody hard without the boat. When you have tired them out and got them in close, are you running a flying gaff or how are you working? Well, no, we've got like a drop pot for lobsters or crabs, I think it is. I've seen them in a lot of tackle shops down south, so we grabbed one, lower it down, then lift the fish out like he's in a saucepan. Yeah, dilly sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, tangle like crazy with your lures sometimes, but, you know, the fish gets to go back alive and it's a much easier way to do it, actually. We used to use a cliff gaff, which is just like a big weighted treble hook, and gee, that can get frustrating in these winds. They put the bloody rope down and it goes sideways. So this, yeah, the, the little drop pot's been working well for us. Uh, been seeing any other species? Plenty of tuna. I haven't actually landed one. I've put a hook in a couple. I've got a few out of the boat, and some other mates have got them off the bank. But, um, yeah, not me yet. Not, not a tuna yet. But um, they're definitely around. I've been seeing schools, you know, some of them have been... You know, half the size of a football field just on the inside of the harbour here within casting range of, say, the sandbar and stuff. So, yeah, planning a few different ways to attack them this year, which involves a kayak and some low tides and hopefully catch up with some of my mates who have already got a couple on the deck already. You've been working uh, any of the points at all, East Point, Lee Point? Oh, East Point consistently because it's just five minutes from home. I go there on the big tides, opposite the neap tides, so I sort of swap between the jetties on the neaps and mostly East Point. Lee Point's been doing really well, but I don't know, it's fishing as, as well as some other mates of mine, but they've, they've got some tuna off the rocks out there this year and some huge trevally there as well. They seem to just pop up and destroy people wherever they feel like at those things. But, um, yeah, East Point's my, my spot. It's a little bit shut down this time of year because you get a lot of winds blowing in on there and on the incoming tide, the place just gets all filthy and dirty, so it's real hard for a lure fisherman. But the live bait guys have been doing well there. Plenty of barra still getting caught off there in recent weeks, which is good to see. The water must be still warm enough for those guys. Some big fish around. Mm, nice. Now, uh, you're a bit of a, a long cast specialist too, so those tuna schools that you're talking about, uh, when are they safe and when are they in peril? What sort of what sort of range have you got these days? Oh, if I'm taking the long range gear, I could probably hit maybe 120, 150 <laughs> metres, but I'm getting older, so it's the 9-foot stuff instead of the 11-foot stuff and probably... Yeah, probably about 80, 90 metres I could I could put a cast in these days with sort of 40 gram chromie. But these yeah, these schools of marauding vandals that you've been talking about, they're probably used to sitting 60, 70 offshore going, ha, 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 you can't get me here until they come into the range. Oh, blue. <laughs> I wish they thought that, mate. I reckon they'd have swim past laughing at me, giving me the little one fin finger. Okay, mate, how do you think it's going to progress uh, as the season progresses? Yeah, mate, I'm excited this year. We've had that decent wet for the first time in, in ages. But it's just got a system that I'm used to. These patterns of these highs that, that are coming through that you spoke of as expected just haven't seen for sort of five years or so. So, yeah, I'm just going to hit some old patterns and do the same thing on the same tides that I did eight years ago and hope for the best. Don't think that's crazy, doing the same thing, expecting different results, but some people <laughs> tell me that's the case. Just out of interest, do you ever have a fish for a barra? Yeah, if I've got a visitor that wants to go fishing for a barra. <laughs> Or I'm guaranteed a metery by a, a friend, but nah, not, yeah. not often, mate. So it's sort, of, it's sort of like Mindel Beach. If you've got someone in town, yeah, it's something you have to do. Yeah, I've made it a bit more of a challenge when I do go. We head inland to a billabong, so if you do hook a fish, you've got to race the crocodile up the bank to get it. So just putting that little bit of edge on and makes them a bit more exciting. And you know, I'll try for some when the water goes down a bit in these billabongs. Because that's the way you roll, Blue. Good on you, mate. Cheers. Thanks, bro. So as you might know, Police Commissioner Rhys Kershaw has been pretty occupied the last few weeks mm. with other matters. Other, other matters, in inverted mm. commas. Other matters that occasionally bring him into the CBD near our tinny headquarters. This week, while sitting in the park, enjoying a beetroot latte... Hey, we're not, you watching dog. Watching... And, and a slack avocado on toast for 28 bucks. I'm appalled. <laughs> watching the world go by near the bus stop. Who did I see? The man who, if you just start asking questions, is only too happy at the moment to talk fishing. Uh, Rhys Kershaw, Northern Territory Police Commissioner. Let me guess, Rhys, you've been to the Wiltshire's, your stomping ground. Yes, I have, and uh, had a successful trip after five years of nothing. It, it was a fluke, though. We got up to our spot, our secret spot. There was just bait everywhere. We couldn't believe it. It was like someone had actually blessed us, and... Uh, took us hours before we hooked on to some of the fish because it was just out of control. I've never seen it like it. 
jumping out of the water. I'd never seen that before at that spot where they were literally launching out of the water and uh, yeah, we just got it, hit it at the right time. What was the right time in terms of tidal movement? Well, previously I'd been there before and bring it, brought an interstate guest, a very senior police officer, and we actually ran out of water in that spot um, for six hours. So we, we know when to go there now. You wouldn't have been able to tolerate the controversy should you have moved to the EPIV. I didn't take any responsibility. I blame my crew, which is what you do as a good skipper, um, that they gave me the wrong tide times. I do thank uh, our friend Brian from out there at uh, Leaders Creek. He's always uh, really positive and gives us good good advice, and I think in the end it was probably him, his advice rather than our five years' worth of intel. Which was? Um, he gave us the proper tide times. <laughs> We bagged out on 70s and 80s, which was great. The, the next day, did did the same, and then then it shut down after that. The challenge we've got now is we're hunting that that feeling and that the whole session. Been to Dundee too? Had a little bit of an incident out there getting into Doherty's, and some people out there listening probably know what I'm talking about at low tide. Wouldn't recommend trying to go in uh, when you don't know the right way to go in at low tide, but we managed to get in just. You're not telling me everything. <laughs> Well, my wife's probably listening, but I, I do have uh, another brother-in-arms that's actually uh, another officer that works for me, and he had a worse story, so I felt better after that. Forty-odd hours on the uh, on the bank there at the front of Doherty's. Uh, Who was this officer? Um, I think it was Matt Parsons, is his name, possibly. Forty hours? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> blame your wife for that in this case it seems no. you, you're, you're keen to put the responsibility on anyone else but yourself blame my crew again for not giving me the right tides um, which seems to be a little bit of a pattern I mean they have called me Captain Chaos on the boat, um, I don't agree with that I think it's quite well organised and there isn't chaos on my boat Reese Kershaw, thank you <laughs> Alright, thank you Tales from the Tinny Matt Parsons was listening on, and you deserve right a reply. What the hell happened, Matt? Yeah, we just uh, underestimated the uh, tides uh, entering the creek, but uh, my official line is uh, I was merely demonstrating to the, uh, the gents that also on the fishing trip that uh, the Stabby Craft is a very reliable boat. Not only is it stable at sea in any conditions, it's also just as stable on land. How did you occupy 40 hours? And we didn't anticipate that long. When the uh, first tide came in the following morning and fell six metres short of the boat, we knew we were in for a long oh. haul. But uh, never mind, we uh, soldiered on and uh, fished them out the dockies to start throwing a few lures, and uh, we got off that night at midnight. But, yes, it was a, a long day on the sandbar. How was the fishing? Was it worth a 40-hour stranding? It was OK. Well, it wasn't the best. <laughs> uh, the blue water would have been better, but my options were limited there for a short period of time. Thank you, Matt. He's had a crack at you. Anything he's not telling us? I'm not at liberty to discuss that at this point in time. Not in front of him, at least. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Police Commissioner Rhys Kershaw and Officer Matt Parsons speaking with Timmy on the spot on that occasion. In other news, Timmy, of course, bad news in the rural area with AA code shutting their meatworks out that way, which uh, employs about 200 people. That was a shame. A lot of people said it was destined to fail in the first place, yeah. but it brings us to looking at how we're going to go about it. How are we going to... What are we going to do? Well, with all these, you know, sad economic pieces of news for the Territory, we always like to look at opportunities. We need to the think, silver lining. We need to think outside the hull. Is there enough, I don't know, enough sheds and, and uh, stock and stuff, uh, stock pen work that we could, like, weld it all together and make a decent fad? Even better to in- keep the local employment. Hmm? Why wouldn't you simply convert it into a fish abattoir? Oh, of course. Look at its location. On the way back from all the prime uh, fishing points. You're just past the Arnhem Highway if you're coming back from Kakadu and you've got Eskies full of fish. If you're coming back from the Daly or anywhere further south, you know, the Roper, the Vic, Vic, you're going straight past. You simply, you know, I mean, we all enjoy filleting a fish, but when you come back from a big mission like that, you've got to wash the boat, you're probably a bit hungover. Why not just drop your fish off there, go and have a frothy and a waffle yeah. up at the Howard Springs or the Humpty Dumpty. Just head up or, the road a little bit. Or pop back down the Noonie for a scoonie in the afternoonie. Discuss the latest gazettle. Pop back, or your fish yeah. are boxed up. 
Now, tell me, I know cattle's big in the Territory, but tell me fishing's not bigger. And there's always people whinging about frames getting left at boat ramps. Here's the answer. There's the answer. Even bottle up into 20-litre drums all the blood and offal from the, from the processing facility. Next time you head out of Leaf Point trolling for a Mackie... Oh, we'll dump it barely, offshore. How barely, are we, how are we barely dis- slick. How are we going to dispose of this? We'll dump it offshore. We'll turn it into mackerel and then bring the mackerel back there to be cleaned. Just here to help. Just here to help. Text message in from the Beard. Oh, how's he going? He's going all right, I think, down south. Time oh. rolls on down south, he says. <laughs> I had to think about... Who, who was that bloke again? Beetroot lattes would, oh, be, so, be. would be so yesterday for Beard. Oh. He'd be moved up to what? The yeah. turnip or the swede? Yeah. A swede yeah. latte or something like that. The time rolls on, Dan South, where between duties, a few tailor and salmon have found my medals, and Flatty and Brim have discovered my pumpkin seed grubs. Huh? Mm, cold night beach sessions for Jewies go so far unrewarded, but my prowess in catching beach worms grows with every swish of the fish carcass in the wash. <laughs> the beers are dark. And now sieving through a beard that is figurative no more. Oh, truly. He's got the Ned Kelly bulletproof back, I would say. Good boy. The Kevlar impenetrable shield. It really is a mat, that oh, absorb absorbed the impact of a forty-five caliber slug from three paces. Uh, hope you're all sucking life's brittle teeth well dry. <laughs> that we are, Beard. That we are, Beard. You can give us a hoy any time if you'd like to from wherever you are. ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook or email fishing at abc.net.au. Well, the wind sucks. The wind sucks. The wind sucks, doesn't it, fishers? It's free- bags. It's freezing cold. Mrs. Last Week was sleeping in PJs and two doonas. Messes up my hair. That's part of the problem, you know. If you if you run a sweet hairdo like yours, oh. styled, and not you put even a lot of time into it. You time put a lot effort. of effort into that do, man. Not even Brill Cream can hold it against these sou'easters. Blows the fronds off the off the Cuban Royals. Just makes work. Brands the froth of your schooner. There's nothing good about these sou'easters, or is there? For guides like Graham Williams, the stalwart from Insight Fly Fishing, after fishing the top end for 20 years, has finally found something good about howling sou'easters. Graham Williams, how are you? Yeah, good. Look, I haven't seen wind like that in a long time, and it was severe. You would have to say, I don't know what the knots were, mate, but she, she was rough. Every day you get up and it was blowing really hard. I think what it's done is just shoved me into areas like that I very rarely go to. Anyhow, I did. And I had one guy up, who was a fly fisher, down from uh, Sydney. We were faced with these winds head on all the time from the south-east, sometimes eastly. So I was pushed into these small spots. And you wouldn't believe this guy in seven days, he caught 97 barra. And every one of them he saw. There's something about an old dog being blown into new tricks. <laughs> Mate, I was pushed into places I haven't been in or looked in for years. And I just went around there, and here they are, sitting up, waving their tails. You know, they're doing head down asleep. You know, and then some of them, we got as close as the rod's length where you just dangle your fly on them while they're asleep. And it wakes them up, and suddenly they got hold of it, you know. So, no, it was really interesting. And uh, whilst the barrow, there weren't any, I wouldn't have put any over 70 centimetres. Um but they were just shitloads, though. Uh, and you sighted them all? Pretty well, every one of them, except one spot there in a howling gale on a colour change. I, I spotted a, a bit of movement in the water, and anyhow, an eagle flew over this spot. Next thing I reckon, there must have been 30 barra just sort of exploded out of the water in fright, all smallish ones, you know, up to those 50 centimetres, up to about 55. Like, we pulled 30 just off that colour change. Far out. I always remember Dwayne Touche saying to me, you know, he always reckoned the big barrel leave early. Well, I thought I'd go up there and hang around in, a, say, a metre of water more than I normally would. I just poked around, poked around, and next thing, out comes a couple of big ones out of this tree or drift out there. You know, so the big ones were there, and as soon as it got down to the point where if I did hook one, then we would have to be moving out of there at the same time as playing it. 
that suddenly everything seemed to abandon ship, you know, and there was barra everywhere. So I think this temperature drop, which happened over the last week, it's gone off those 30s and back into the high, you know, 27, 28, 29. The temperature is everything. I remember it's like hunting around in Florida for tarpon, you know, they'll drive around all day looking for 27 degrees. If they can't find it, they just don't fish. And I think Barra having that sort of 24 to, you know, 28 is really where they like to be. Uh, they seem to be more active. They'll bite. Drops below or above any of that, they always sort of go off the ball. When you're pushed into a situation where you sort of got to come up with the goods, um, you take that option. And, and like I say, listening to guys like Dwayne Touche, who always told me this, that he works that turn of the tie tight, you know, even when trolling and looking for snags and estuaries and stuff where Big Barra are, he reckons they, they leave early. I take it on that basis, you know, and I've played that sort of card a couple of times now. Uh, I just pushed the envelope on it a little more, and, and that's what happened. You know, 97 barra in uh, seven days in the sort of fishing I do, which is not sitting on a snag trying to pull them off there. It's actually got to find them, catch them. Um, was a real bonus, you know. So I don't mind the wind. Treat wind as your friend, I think, is my new saying. This <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, do not, do not fear it. Work with it as your friend. Let it, let it blow you somewhere new and see what happens. <laughs> there was no one on that estuary. <clears throat> Always wonder with Bino and this issue with the Kenby land claim. Obviously, has been a little bit uh, sour for everyone, but there's still a lot of area there that we've got to fish and we've just got to work around it anyhow. Good on you, Graham. You've earned the right, fella. <laughs> okay, take care, guys. Fishing. Strategy. Focus. Determination. And fermentation. <sighs> Tales from the tinny. Keeping it classy. <laughs> the government's done its waterfowl survey, Robert, ahead of this year's season. Mm, what are the numbers like, Timmy? <laughs> yeah. Thankfully better. Ah. They flew the floodplains between Moyle and Murganella and across Arnhem Land floodplains, so covered a lot of ground. Initial population estimate, about 920,000 geese, which is 27% increase on the estimate after last year's survey. That's got to be good. The department and the government takes that as kind of vindication for their last lower... Year. Of course, they would, mm. and that's what the science says, but the opposing view came from Field and Game last year that the surveys weren't thorough enough, and they did them too early. Anyway, look, be that as it may, doesn't matter now. The numbers are looking better, Fishos. The minister will announce conditions for the hunting season by the 1st of July. Now, when they were flying the floodplains and doing putting all that effort into survey, was there any numbers come out about the number of zombies out on the... <laughs> Coming over the heath <laughs> with zombies riding zombies <laughs> in a wave. Smell like it's smell your brains. Across the heath. <laughs> Ray at Buff Creek, who's not the living dead, he tells us the Jewies are getting caught offshore at Lee Point. The crabs are on in Shoal Bay. I'm hearing that for a number yeah. of uh, different uh, quarters. They get those crab pots out, he reckons. It's a bit quiet in the barra front at the moment, a bit cold for them in the transitional stage. And Danny Best has been at it again, this time 129 centimetre barra. Oh. Danny, wrangles crocs by day and brains meter he's on the weekend. Bloody good 2018 She'd runoff. take out a few zombies single-handed. Single-handed. Unarmed. No. Unarmed. Yeah. Hand-to-hand combat, yep. just to keep it real. Yep. Her MO with the zombies, as is strictly reserved for the most hardcore in the apocalypse, <laughs> is just wandering up, snapping their neck, and then straight through yeah. into their brains. Yeah. You can check out Danny's pick on Facebook. She's down at the Daily <laughs> this week. I you were going to say you can check out Danny's zombie technique. <laughs> no, the, she's down at the Daily for Girls Gone Fishing. Now, Danny, Robert, isn't the kind of woman to blow her own horn... Those photos and those details are actually uploaded to Facebook by mm. a partner or a mate or something. She's promised Lisa a chat about it. This is Lisa the Brave from the Tinny, who's mm. down at Girls Gone Fishing as well. But on one condition. A dance-off. Danny said, 
I'll only talk to you if you beat me in a dance-off down at Girls Gone Fishing. Now, Lisa is hopeless. So she doesn't... She doesn't not, dance. Not she the, don't do dance. Not just the participation. She has to be... She has to win. She wow. has to take... And this is the attitude of a zombie fighter. You've got to take me down, woman. You've got to take me down on the dance floor or I ain't saying jack. Lisa, don't like your chances. She said she's going to give it a crack after a couple of vodkas. That's when Lisa the Brave really comes out. Wade Kelly's been in touch. He's been down on the daily. Post-comps carnage. Says there's plenty of fish following the clean water up. Snag trolling the run-out tide is working well and casting sand flats and rock bars in the cool of the morning. Very cool of the morning. No fish rock bar is seeing a lot of good fish, which is always a good contradiction. He's back down again during Girls Gone Fishing. It just so happens. Apparently, Lisa's committed to play wingman for him. So she's not only having a dance-off, she's playing wingman for Wade Kelly. Break the ice with the ladies at the bar and make the introductions. Let's hope it happens before the vodka is and the dance-off because that, my friends, would get ugly. Uh, stay clear of Lisa the Brave. Stay clear. And if you're a zombie, stay clear of Danny. You're listening to Tales from the Tinny. Get him, up, yeah. <laughs> Tanya Malkin sent some pics in of a 78-year-old dad, Ross, this week. Inspired by Eileen on the tinny, the 89-year-old great-grandmother who landed her first barra a few weeks ago, Ross come up to try and tick his first barra off the list as well. Now, Ross has been pretty crook recently, so getting, out, getting him out on a charter and landing not one but two barra was a pretty big deal. His son-in-law, Norm, was on the boat too and had a chat to Lisa. Started out in the morning, yellow water in Kakadu. Stopped at one spot. We all had a flick and we all caught a barramundi, so we decided that it's Ross's turn. And we had to get him up the front of the boat, flick the lure out for him. And as soon as he got a hit, Ross grabbed the rod and literally reeled in himself. He wanted to bring that in himself, didn't oh, he? yeah, you could see the smile on his face. <laughs> And Tanya has been saying that he's been unwell and she hasn't seen a smile like that on his face for a while? No, no, he's been bed bound for a fair bit. So we decided to get him out on the boat and see how he went. And he, he just loved every minute of it. You know, in the three hours that we went out, he actually caught two barramundi. They weren't keepers. First one was about 48 and the second one was about 52. Still not bad for a first ever barra. Uh, yeah, he was absolutely thrilled. You could just see with a smile on his face. <laughs> you know, I think they got a thrill out of it too to see, see the excitement in his face and the smile. <laughs> Definitely. And is it something that he's wanted to do for a while? We've taken him fishing before, just land-based, but not on the boat. And it's probably been about 20 years since he's been out on the boat fishing. So it was a big, big thrill to do it in Kakadu. Yeah, beautiful spot, Yellow Waters as well. Oh, it's totally beautiful in the morning. We stopped at several places for a flick, and each time at least one of us caught a barramundi. So it was a very worthwhile trip. Stunning, beautiful. We're going to try to do it again. Now he's pretty keen, actually on holidays with us for another week, so we're trying to find another spot for him and get him out and have another fish. Yeah, nice one, Ross. Nice one indeed, Ross. He wasn't able to chat because he's had a couple of surgeries lately, but he said, what a great way to relax and enjoy the company of like-minded people. Good how right? Yeah, that's how we feel on Gazettle Day. <laughs> that's right. It was also uh, great to experience the beauty of the billabong, observe the crocodiles, the birds and the ducks in their natural habitat. Don't let disabilities stop you, says Ross. Just find someone to assist you. You can see the pics of him. He's in a uses one of those walking frames, you know. Yeah, yeah. And getting around the boat would have been a challenge. They wanted to thank the guy out at um, Yellow Waters there for doing such an amazing job. Good on you, Norm, and thanks for filing in the story, you mop. That about wraps us up for tales from the titty for another gazettal week. Another zombie apocalypse overcome. Another Wednesday of new undies for the month. We're actually catching up with the the man who first alerted us to the value of Jimmy Lee. Ah, remember who caught the massive oh, massive barrel in the puddle? In the puddle, yeah. uh, he's been at it again. Has he? Yeah, I've just seen the videos. Was Jimmy on site? Actually, Jimmy's been replaced. What? So, yeah, I, don't, I don't know why. I don't. Maybe a zombie got him. <laughs> <laughs> Very unlikely. He is Jimmy, after all. Packing serious ordnance. Anyway, we'll catch up with Lee soon. <laughs> Thanks to Tanya Malkin, Norm Anderson and Ross, the old fella who got his first barra. Good on you, mate. Warren DeWitt, as always. 
Reese Careshaw and Matt Parsons from the Boys in Blue from the, t- um, the Territory, are actually really Boys in Brown, but gave us a bit of time to talk fishing. Billy Povey and uh, Danny Best with the tw- 129 Slapper and uh, knocking over about 129 zombies a month. And, of course, Jimmy. And to you too, Blue. To the beard. Nice to hear from your fella. Wade Kelly with the Daily Report. Uh, Jim, Ashley and Zoe, who had to try a beetroot latte. Let's hope that never has to happen again. Our anonymous lure x-ray fella or fellette. We take our hats off to you, mate or mate S, matette. To Andy Ralph, nice report from the Kakadu region where everything is truly awesome. And to Ray from Buff Creek. And of course to you, Fishos, for taking part as you do every week on Tales from the Tinny. But until next week, why don't you just get a fully, officially government-gazetted, genetic abomination, yellow-belly emblem of the Territory fair up you? Tales from the Tinny.